Okay, 8.46. We're going to have some fun with fossils now um, before moving right into the present day and Facebook activity. It's Science and Technology with Mark Zastro, science journalist. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. But first, we, we go far back in time. The oldest known set of human fossils could rewrite the story of humanity's origins. As scientists announced, they've discovered the oldest known remains of Homo sapiens. That's us. Um... <laughs> In an unexpected place, Mark. That's right. So, you know, for decades, the prevailing theory of the origins of humanity was that we evolved in one area in East Africa. The oldest Homo sapiens remains that we found so far were in Ethiopia, and they're about 200,000 years old. So scientists generally think of East Africa as the so-called cradle of humanity. We all know the out of Africa. Exactly. Theory. So, Do we mm -hmm. call that a theory? Mm -hmm. I guess. Yes, indeed. So modern humans, but this is more specific, right? Because we thought it was just in East Africa that modern humans evolved. And then they spread out over the rest of the African continent and then out of Africa into the rest of the world. But these new remains are even older and they've been found in a cave in Morocco, about 100 kilometers west of Marrakesh. And so scientists estimate that they're actually 300,000 years old, so a full 100,000 years older than the ones in Ethiopia. So that totally goes against this narrative suggesting that humans either spread out a lot earlier than we uh, than we thought or maybe more likely is that they evolved in many places across Africa at the same time or you keep searching and you end up in the garden of eden mark well who knows <laughs> who knows um but how did they date these remains seriously? So these remains were actually found in a, in a cave called Jebel Irhad, and scientists have been excavating this uh, for a long time, actually for several decades. They've been finding human fossils. But they weren't able to get very accurate dates on them because it's really hard to measure the ages of the bones themselves. So it wasn't until the past 15 years or so that scientists started to think they might be a lot older than they had previously thought. And what helped them get that very solid date was that they found a whole range of tools, uh, like flint blades, buried in the same rock layers as the human fossils. And a lot of these blades uh, looked like they had been burnt. And so what scientists think is that these early humans had been using these tools to hunt, and then they were using fires to cook. And these fires actually heated some of these blades. Maybe the blades were buried in the ground at the same time. And so that changes the atomic structure of the blades, and it allows the scientists to use a radioactive dating technique. This one's called thermoluminescence dating. And they were able to determine the ages of the blades, and by extension, the ages of the humans who were buried in the same in the same sedimentary layers. I'm at the risk of um, making myself look ignorant in this subject, which I am. Um, I, I'd like to just touch on the question of whether we all have one common female ancestor. Wasn't that generally accepted for a long time? And if, if, if we evolved in all different places, how would that still be possible? Well, it, it definitely does. It it would put a different. It would might put a different light on it, right? Right. I mean, it's uh, it, it's hard to say. We don't have at this point DNA analysis uh, of these uh, of, of of these samples, but what but we, we have DNA samples of ourselves, and that's where that whole theory comes from. Right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Still mysterious, then. Um, but what can they tell us about how similar those early humans were to ourselves? 
So I think one of the most striking things about this find is if you go online and you look at these pictures, uh, these fossils that they have recovered include full skulls. And if you look at them, it's just like looking at a you know normal, modern human skull. So the scientists say that these early humans essentially had faces that looked just like ours. Now, there are some differences in the skulls. If you look at the shape and the size of the cavities, uh, their brains are probably you know, slightly smaller, so a little less developed. But the, the teeth are, this, are basically the same. The sort of the jawline is very similar. It's kind of uncanny, really, when you, when you look at these skulls, like looking you know, back into the faces of, of our ancestors. A truly fascinating area of research, and so is our next story. Um, staying with uh, the whole area of paleontology and some older fossils That's to right. the time of the dinosaurs and the ever mysterious Tyrannosaurus rex. For decades, scientists have found more and more evidence that dinosaurs have feathers. But did T-Rex? I don't know why, Mark, but the idea of T-Rex walking around with feathers just makes the whole prospect of meeting T-Rex even more frightening to me. It feels more frightening to you? Because I, I feel for a lot of people it might seem less frightening. I don't know why, but I, there's something about T-Rex with feathers that would lure me into a false sense of security, but I suspect that you know, it would be even more ferocious. I think, I, I, I agree with you, actually. I, I think it would be even more terrifying to imagine Tyrannosaurus Rex in full, you know, plumage. <laughs> but, um, you know, you have to say that this, this topic of dinosaurs having feathers is, is kind of controversial among, you know, some dinosaur fans, especially maybe those of a certain age who remembered how they looked in movies like Jurassic Park. Uh, but the idea of dinosaurs having feathers is definitely not controversial amongst scientists because the past couple decades of dinosaur research has found more and more evidence that most dinosaurs did indeed have feathers. And you can see almost the imprints of feathers in some of these fossilized remains that uh, we have uncovered. And actually, you know, when they rebooted the, the Jurassic Park movies a couple of years ago with Jurassic World, the, the filmmakers kind of, you know, you could say ruffled some scientists' feathers because they chose <laughs> not to revise the appearance of the dinosaurs to match the latest science. But this new study that we're talking about now, it actually maybe uh, gives them some uh, redemption. It suggests that the filmmakers got it right after all, at least when it comes to T-Rex, because a team of scientists just published a detailed analysis of the world's only set of fossilized T-Rex skin. So this is actually stored at the Houston Museum of Natural Science in Texas. And according to the scientists' uh, analysis of this, there is no sign of feathers on this T-Rex skin. And even when you just sort of look at the picture of it, that it looks scaly. It has the imprint of scales. So pretty much like the traditional picture of scaly dinosaur, you know, movie skin. I guess it might be possible. There are variations, though. You could have the feathered T-Rex and the non-feathered version. That's right. And in fact, um, you know, we do know that some of T-Rex's earlier cousins did have feathers. We've seen that evidence uh, pretty clearly. But since T-Rex was actually, you know, a relatively late-era Cretaceous period dinosaur, at that point, maybe it evolved uh, to the point where it didn't need those feathers anymore, probably because it didn't need to retain its... It didn't need them to retain its body warmth mm. anymore. I mean, there's plenty of lizards around today without feathers, but we have birds sure. too. And not only that, I, you know, you, you get... I mean, this is probably a weird comparison, but you get cats without hair, don't you? Sure. Mm -hmm. But most do have fur. That's right. The, 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 it's the wonderful nature of biodiversity. Right, right there we go. Mm -hmm. um, but um, filmmakers, toy makers, it would shake up a whole load of industries if you had to start making dinosaurs with feathers. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think that that that's fair, and and the, certainly the if you look at a lot of the other dinosaurs in Jurassic World, right? They they still should have feathers. Like Velociraptors actually should have feathers because we know that they that they did, and they could actually use them to leap. Yes, which I think opens up a whole new you know universe of cinematic possibilities in creating scary dinosaurs. They would use these sort of proto wings to help them pounce and leap up onto their prey. And we think they would actually, you know, flap them around to kind of stabilize them as they would sink their teeth into yeah. their prey I, from above. It, it, it's like evolution knows, though, not to be too cruel on us. Like, they, they, evolution has not given spiders wings, for example, which I'm eternally grateful for. I, I, I'm grateful for that as I, well. And I think, you know, really scary animals should just not be allowed to have wings, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, finish off with Facebook. Um, and very much modern day this, uh, even though one day people will probably be analysing our tech patterns and getting all sorts of information about us from what we're doing today on Facebook. That's quite an interesting thought in itself. But um, a pos- possibly positive use for data that we are all concerned about sharing now, researchers have been able to identify people at risk of substance abuse. That's right. So yes, a, a very you know potentially uh, positive use for this data. You have a team of uh, U.S. researchers, which included addiction recovery researchers, who uh, analyzed a, a data set of Facebook status updates and also data on what they were liking on Facebook. And included in this were thousands of people that they had identified as substance abusers, so either alcohol, uh, alcohol, tobacco, or drugs. And then they used this data to train models to kind of look for signs in the data you know, that might predict whether or not someone was a substance abuser. So things like keywords or phrases, uh, particular things that they liked, they found that substance abusers were more likely to use curse words or words that referred to sex or biological processes. And they were also more likely to have liked certain movies. Um, They were also perhaps surprisingly less likely to mention risk-related words like danger or or words associated with sadness or negative emotions, which, you know, kind of goes against the stereotype. And in the end, they were able to use these models to achieve prediction accuracies of over 80% for all three kinds of substance abuse. So obviously this, you know, can't be, it can't count as an actual diagnosis, but they think it could be a powerful tool in studying substance abuse behaviors. Yeah, it's this whole idea of uh, correlation and association rather than cause. Mm-hmm. Just exactly. because you watch a certain movie doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be a substance abuser, but the fact that so many do it maybe can help people. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you, Alex. It's always a highlight of the week, catching up with science and technology with Mark Zastro, and that's our show for today. We'll be back tomorrow at 7.05. Careerscape's on the way next with Kurdation after your latest news headlines. <laughs>